Jeff, you're welcome to partake. You know, Jeff. Dude, I think the internet would shit its pants if I if I lit one oh, up right here. Die. Right? Oh man, <laughs> Jeff. But listen, be listen, Let's do it. I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna wait for the end of you to take it. All right. You guys ready? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Boxing. I'm Evan Britton. And I'm Mike Tyson. We got a great guest today, Mike. Big time. We're getting great guests. The better, the better. They we, better, better. we just get the best people in here, man. We've got Jeff Nowitzki, a.k.a. The Golden Snitch. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's not a Golden Snitch. That's, he's a discoverer of people that's doing devilish and, wish, and wicked things. Ooh. People that are hurting people physically. I like that interpretation, yeah. dude. Well, Jeff, it's great to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Great man, to I have appreciate you, it. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here so with you, Jeff, Mike. So, Jeff, this is um, explain your situation to the people. Who are you, Jeff? Yeah, so my current role, I'm the the vice president of athlete health and performance with the UFC. My uh, my main role with the UFC is I oversee what I believe is the world's best anti doping program in professional sports. Um, and I based that not off of opinion, but off of experience. Before I came to the UFC, I was a federal agent in the United States for about 23 years. And about halfway through my career, ran into an investigation called Balco Laboratories. And it turned out to be one of the highest profile performance enhancing drug distribution cases really in the world. Um, and so thereafter, I be, kind of became that point person where anybody, not only in the U.S., but really worldwide, anytime you saw somebody investigating something that came across steroids or growth hormones or things in sports, inevitably they'd call me up and just ask for advice on how I worked my case. So really the last 12, 13 years of my career, I mean, I talked to agents in the United States and Spain and France and Australia. Anytime anybody came across something, they'd usually pick up the phone to call me to get my advice on what they were seeing and potentially how to work it. So former athlete myself, I mean, I was just fascinated by it, fascinated by what these drugs can do, fascinated by the temptations that these athletes felt to do it. And there's a lot of temptations out there. And listen, I don't even blame the athletes. You know, I can't blame them. You know what this is going to give you? It's going to give you your dreams. Mm. This is going to give you your dreams. I'll put you so close to your dreams, you're, you're going to get them. You're going to touch them. It's just, um, it's hard to even say no, because this is what, and this is the truth. Um, if an athlete, very few athletes that could say, I just want to see if I'm better than him. It's clean. I just want to see if I'm better than him. Man for man, can I beat him? You know, we want to believe that, but we have, but, I can make sure I'm better if I take this, though. I guarantee me to be better. You know, it's tough for us because some of us don't like to don't like to touch who we really are. We're really, really winners or losers. Sometimes we doubt who we are, even though we are that great energy. We doubt it sometimes. So, um, it could be it could be like um, it's easier to say this, take this. This would be easier. Yeah, and make me better. Yeah. But then you find people that you say, I won't take it. I think I'm the best in the world. No one could beat me. I'm going to fight them without it. So, Jeff, you really focused, have, or at least, you know, much of your career has been focused on performance-enhancing drugs. Correct. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with Mike, and a lot of people are surprised with that. You know, people ask me, like, oh, you must, all these athletes must think that, the, you know, you hate them, they're wrong. I'm exactly in Mike's camp. I completely got why they made that decision. And, you know, if I'm in my early 20s and I'm a professional baseball player in the late 90s and I see what's going on in baseball and I'm coming up from the minor leagues into that major league clubhouse for the first time. You come time, from shit. Besides exactly. You come from shit. Your family yeah. don't have no money. You're on a farm. You're just fucking, you know, from shit. You're from shit. And it's my dream to play in the major leagues. And I realized very quickly that unless I get on this program, I am, my time here is limited. And, and the reward for having a great season, millions of dollars. You come from you know, that type of background. It completely changes your life, your family's life. Man, who is not going to make that? You know, take it would be the rare person that would not choose to and go. And it's abundance that. of money and everything out here. And there's enough money for everybody to have over and over again. And still, we don't have it. And you think I won't take that chance? Yeah, man. Oh, I remember playing in the NFL. You know, making it to the league, and then you know, performance enhancing drugs in the NFL are. I I didn't see many guys taking them. I think the policy in the league is strict enough at least to catch the common ones, 
there might be some guys doing HGH or some undetectable stuff. Maybe you can talk a little bit, speak to that about, you know, what is detectable and what isn't. Um, but, you know, for me, it was like some of these guys I looked up to my whole life as a young player doing everything clean coming into the league. You know, now guys are, I'm being taken by a veteran into the training room to get a shot at tour at all before the game. Yeah. Cause that's just the way it's done. Yeah. Come on, come get this shot. You'll feel like a million bucks. hundred percent. You'll feel like you can run 100%. through a wall. Yeah. Well, you know, know, one thing I notice, it's very evident with the NFL, is that, you know, and and I see this and I've talked to athletes, there's constantly a risk-reward calculation going on in their heads. The rewards are obvious. These, There's no doubt about it. Anybody who says, like, ah, steroids, growth hormone doesn't really work is full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. It works as good as you can imagine it working. So, you know play that off what the penalty is in the NFL. For a first time now in the NFL, it's a four-game suspension. So you're yeah. missing a quarter of the Listen, year. Listen, what yeah. I That's use nothing. I lose, um, this is something I use, because um, a lot of times I always hurt, I got old, I start getting aches and my back start hurting, I hurt my hands, I fracture my hands, sprain my hands. But um, I say, it hurts me, I can't train, that's the only purpose. I'm fighting with a broken hand, but I have to get in shape. Mm. So I do this thing called fentanyl. Oh. Whoa! I can box with a broken hand. I can, I can box you with a sprained leg. I can fight. I can train. I can get in shape. Fucked up with broken bones. Yeah, you know. But um, when it wears off, I'm gonna throw up. Blah, it's like yeah. it's like heroin. Blah, I'm gonna yeah. get sick. You know, I hate the fact of throwing up, but I can I can I can get through the sparring session. I can get through this workout for fucking what sixty days, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, six weeks. I can get through this fucking workout. Yeah. Defending all, I can get to. I won't feel shit. I feel like a god. I'm moving around. I'm, it's just incredible. But it's gonna kill me. Yeah, exactly. Ain't that some shit? I feel yeah. like God, but this thing is gonna kill me. Yeah. They put a hole in my foot. I used to always pad it under my foot and put my sock on it, and eventually it, it, it just it irritated a little hole through my foot. Fuck. The patch? Yeah. <sighs> I never took man. it off. That's where I hit it. I didn't want no one to see it. Yeah. Um. So the first suspension, four games. What what is it after that? I mean, I should know, but I maybe doubled, maybe yeah. eight, or maybe a season. But yeah. eventually, they're point. gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make um, a chemical that's gonna um, camouflage it. Yeah, so and, talk yeah, about that. So, Mike, you're right. I mean, there are these chemists out there, and, and Balco had one they're of them. They're in the they're backyard somewhere. Right? They are. They make stuff in their garage. Yeah, these whatever, guys in the backyard doing incredible genius shit. Unless you know in anti-doping what you're looking for, you can't find it. There, for whatever drug is out there, there has to be a specific test that recognizes that drug. Mm-hmm. So what these chemists are doing is taking a steroid, a known steroid, and adding an extra – atom, molecule, whatever on it, and it still retains the benefits of the steroid, but it won't show up on a traditional test unless the science finds out about it and creates a test for it. So it's a constant cat and mouse game. Interesting. I was telling a um, couple of years ago, I was telling a friend, hey man, I'm something wrong with my dick. My dick is not getting hot. He said, yeah? You he said, come over, Mike. I got something for you. So I'm going to shoot you in the head of your dick. It's never going to go oh, down, Mike. <laughs> Oh, shit. I wanted to do it so bad. I wanted to do it so bad. I was just so scared. He's not, Mike. I'm going to go number on the top of your dick, Mike. It's going to last. It's going to last forever, Mike. It'll never go down. I said, fuck. I just wanted some Did Viagra. Did you do it? No, I just wanted some Viagra or something. Or some Yesialis. He's a fuck Stick this needle on my dick. That. Oh, shit. Uh, he said, Mike, don't please, Mike, trust me. I said, fuck, in my tip of my dick, I'm going to stick this needle, long needle, fuck no. That's another kind of I performance. I didn't want him holding my dick, I got to have him hold my dick and stop. Fuck no, fuck, I couldn't do that. Oh, fuck. Oh, uh, it's scared. terrible, dude. Well, we were talking earlier before we came in here about the Wizenator. Oh, so yes. Now, and, and really, I mean, it's I, I say this all the time, how much respect I have for our athletes, because not only are they having a 
take a pee in front of somebody, but somebody who's up close and personal on their knees watching that pee come right out of them. And that's because of this device that, you know, in the past it was a Wizenator, yes. which was a prosthetic. Yeah, it was dick awesome. Yes. With you put clean urine yeah, in it. Yeah, no, I put my baby's urine in it. Oh I'm just, my and God. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping I'm just hoping that one day I use my wife, my wife said, Baby, you better not hope that it comes back pregnant or something. <laughs> yeah. And I said, No, so we ain't gonna use you no more, we're gonna use the kid. Cause I got scared that the piss might come back pregnant. Like you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's happened before in the it world did? of anti. I think a male yeah, oh, provided a urine sample and they came back and said, sir, uh, you're pregnant. Yeah, is listen, you're pregnant that's, a, that's what I was afraid urine. of. I guess I did hear, hear that happen or something, so I was afraid of that. Yes. Yeah. Well, did you have the right color, Wizenator? Because it was that NFL yeah, guy. Hell, hell Black yeah. Black dude that had a white had a one. Brown, yeah, yeah. I had this brown one. Who had, was that? I heard that story. But this guy, this guy was so fucking macho. He was scared. I whapped it out. He was like, turn around. Hey, man, take the fucking cup. You know, this macho guy. He don't look at me and shit. <laughs> Yeah, you got to play those dudes, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, it's the worst job in the oh, world. Oh, it is, man. Not a, so our testers, not only are they closely observing you know, our athletes in a very intimate way, they're waking our athletes up 5, yes. 6 in the morning because, as we talked about earlier, in a good, solid anti-doping program, you could never know when the testers come in. Yeah. could be early at night. Could be late or early See, in the morning. That could comes be late from at the night. prison system. They, they learned that from the prison system because that's what they do in the prison. They never let you know. They come you sleeping. Dun, dun, wake up, get, get, drug test come on, you? drug test you. Piss right here. Really? Yeah, right here. Wake up. Get a piss right here. Wow. Could you could you imagine having to be that guy or girl? I mean, we have some of the toughest individuals on the planet Earth and some of the baddest yeah. areas on yeah. the planet Earth they live in. Showing knocking up. on somebody's door in a bad neighborhood at five. Yeah. Nothing. There's not ever any good news when someone's knocking on your door at five or six in no, the morning. That's not Never. a good thing. And some of them probably yeah. knock on the door from on the side and knock. No on doubt. <laughs> in training camp, they come pound on your door at about four thirty in the morning. Check out that we had an instance two weeks ago. So one of our fighters knock on the door. I think it's five thirty six a.m. Opens it up, and this woman says, hey, I'm here to take your blood. So this guy's like, okay, this is probably a UFC test. Come on in. So he starts giving the blood and starts noticing, man, this isn't usually how this happens. And oh, she's taking shit. a shitload of blood out of me. So he goes, is, this is more than uh, than you normally take, isn't it? And she goes, oh, John, don't worry. And he goes, John, John. He goes, my name's Dan. Oh, no, nah, get the fuck out no. of the wrong house. Fuck, I wouldn't believe it if you would. Oh, she had the, the wrong fuck? house, no. I swear to God. It was oh. the same number. But the next street over, what are the fucking odds that someone at six in the morning is there to collect blood and the person's used to it? Uh, yeah. I mean, just that would never uh, happen in a million years. That's a nightmare. Crazy. dude. Talk about like, first of all, I'm curious what the UFC's policy is, because you said that you watched uh, Henry's episode, Cejudo. I did. Yep. Uh, you know, we love Cody Garbrandt here. He's a yeah, good friend. Yeah, what happens to Cody after all that stuff? Now, this guy beats me. He's using shit. Yeah. He beats me. Now we find out yeah. he's 30. What happens to me? How do I get that title? How do I get a fight with him that he's clean? How do he get that belt removed? How do I get my title back? Because I wasn't beat fairly. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, TJ's belt was removed. He, you know, gave uh, it up even before. Yeah, but before. what happened for me? Yeah, for, for T. I mean, that's a question for, for Cody. That's a question for Dana. But, I mean, I would assume, based on Does what he happened, that he's right back in the picture again. Yeah, you did know? he become number one to contender? Yeah, again, that, that's in Dana's world, not necessarily mine, but that would be my yeah. guess, absolutely, right? Yeah. So talk about EPO. Yep. That is that is um, similar to blood. That is blood doping? That's like yeah, oxygenating the blood? What's that for? You won't catch cramps and shit? No. So you want more red blood cells in your body because that carries more oxygen to your muscles and allows you to work harder and longer and allows you to recover quicker. Um, that's is that the, dangerous to you? Does it hurt to the fuck If you, you have, yeah, the danger with blood doping and EPO is the more red blood cells you have, the thicker your blood becomes. And if you have any type of blockage in your body, you know, in a vein or whatever, it can, that, those red blood cells can block it up quick. I'll give you a great example of this. So in, in professional cycling, EPO kind of came on the scene in the late 80s. And what these cyclists were realizing was, holy shit, like I'll pinch, you know, I'll prick myself with a needle and the blood barely even comes out because it's so thick. So they would set alarms for three in the morning, have a tall glass of water next to the red, wake up, chug the water and get on the floor and do, you know, 30 or 40 push-ups in order to keep their blood circulating for fear of my blood's becoming so thick, it's going to clog up. 
Wow. I mean, so super, super dangerous if you're not doing it right and get that red blood cell count up too high. That sounds terrible. There were some cyclists dude. in the late 80s that were dying. I mean, some of the best in shape athletes on the planet dying in their late 20s and early 30s of strokes wow. and heart attacks. Now, listen, wow. Listen, know what's so ironic Fuck when you that. say something like that? When you're just an average, you know, when you're an average person, like a young athlete or something, a uh, young person, then you're thinking, you're not even thinking about yeah. the afterlife. You're not that conscious yet. Mm-hmm. And just think about it. Would I give up, um, say I'm 20, I'm going to die at 50. 50 fucking old anything. I got 30 fucking years to do it. So I, would I rather die at 30 and live the life of a god? Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a famous poll they take every four years at the Olympics, and they ask Olympic athletes. Where I that, came from? The glory, yeah, I want glory. I don't even want the money. Just give me some glory. Mm. Other than it's being fucking abnormal. It's a normal motherfucker in the hood. Just give me glory. You don't even have to give me money. Just give me somebody to know my name and pat me on my back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they poll the Olympic athletes every four years saying if there was a pill that allowed you to make – Win a gold medal, oh, but would take 10 to 20 years off your life. Would you choose yeah. to do that? Oh. And every year, Majority 80, 90%, yes. like, hell yeah. Wow. We, don't even, we don't even have kids yet. Yeah. We don't yeah. even know the concept of loving our kids more than when we love ourselves yet. Yeah. When we get that concept, our concept of life change. We want our life. We want to spend time with this child. Did you ever take any performance enhancers, Mike? I take fucking, um, I did marijuana. Yeah. Well, talk about that, Jeff, because you're you're actually an advocate for CBD, and you guys, I think, have one of the most forward-thinking policies on it, as far yeah. as I can tell. Yeah, so just – it was like last year, the year before, CBD became allowed to take it all time. So there's – our fighters can take it, you know, without restriction That's anytime. Great. Marijuana or THC only tested for in the in-competition period, which would be weigh-in day or fight day. And there's a threshold. I did use fucking enhancing drugs. Every time I use it, I got my ass kicked. Really? Yeah, I got fucked up. I think somebody gave me the wrong drugs or something. They faked me out there with enhancing. It wasn't. The anti-steroids. Yeah, they fucked me up. I think they lied. A lot of people used to lie. Fucking steal and shit. Well, on that note, I think they do make your body weaker, you know, in the long term. You know, with ligaments and joints, you know, they put more stress on it because the muscles grow so fast that they're out of proportion with the structural system around it. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I would think the bone would break easier. Yeah, because it kind of absolutely. Maintain that fucking muscle weight that's abnormal at this particular stage of my life. I'm not supposed to be carrying this much muscle. Yep. Yeah. You see that all the time, and it makes me question somebody with a terrible hamstring, you know, tear that's torn right off the tendon. You wonder. Oh, yeah, the muscles back. Can, continue to grow and the tendons don't. Yeah. Me and the Hotboxing crew are very excited for this new year because we've got some awesome things popping off. We have new Hotboxing t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and more coming to the Hotboxing shop. Go to hotboxingpodcast.com and sign up for the all-new Hotboxing Hot Sheet where we will send you discount codes the second our new merch is in stock. Sign up for the Hotbox and Hot Sheet at hotboxandpodcast.com and make 2020 your little bitch. You said something earlier that I thought was interesting uh, on the THC side of things, which is there is a threshold. It's 150 nanograms per milliliter. Now, that may not mean much That's to the non-scientists, good. but you know, um, it's probably... What we recommend to our fighters is if you stop using it, you know, the, the problem is everybody metabolizes differently. So it's vi- – I'd hate to tell – you know, Mike's one of our fighters says, hey, Jeff, when should I stop, you know, using? And I tell him a week. He just happens to metabolize differently and he pops. Then it's right. on me. So I'm always out of an abundance of caution giving them a little longer window. Um, but the reality is, you know, a week or two likely would, you know, put you under that limit. I'd love to see something, you know, along the lines of – like alcohol. I mean, you could never, you're not allowed to be drunk to go in and box or fight MMA, but you're not testing hey, listen, for alcohol. Listen, listen, um, you've got inspectors in the locker been room. Fighters that didn't, that been yeah. on, they can't fight without drinking. They got to be drunk to fight. They can't, they don't got the nerve. They don't Crazy. have the nerve. They got to be drunk. Yeah. World champion. They got to be drunk. Can't do this shit, nigga, without wow. no motherfucking alcohol. I'm my right hand to God. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've seen guys take shots of alcohol. Frankie Randall, the world champion, beat Chavez. First guy to beat Chavez. Chavez had a record like 89 and oh, the first guy to be an alcoholic. Wow. Crazy. So, 
while we have a threshold, and this is an interesting story. I found this out yesterday and a connection here to Mike. So while we have this threshold, so you can have some in your system. It just can't be over an amount. Some states where we go, the athletic commissions have rules where you can have none. And you know what's, whose state still has a no-tolerance rule? No. Where did you test positive for marijuana? In Detroit. State? Michigan. Really? We still go to Michigan, and they don't allow one ounce or iota THC for marijuana, which is fucking ridiculous. You could smoke a joint a month before the fight and yeah. still have some that, in your they, system. They do that because they want to collect the money. It's all financial. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe a little of that. It may just them trying to you know, impose their moral ignorant. issues on. They're not ignorant people. Just, there's no place in – you know, an anti-doping program. In an anti-doping program, you're trying to create a fair and level playing field. What difference does it make if somebody, you know, smokes something a month out? What difference, in my opinion, does it make if someone's nervous and can't sleep the night before a competition yes, that and uses to me. some marijuana to just relax yeah, themselves and sleep? I get, the guy got me nervous. He's really big and shit, and he got me, and he got me nervous. That's not giving you an advantage the next night yeah, when no. you're going to fight. It's it's, just, it it should be debilitating, if anything, yeah, you know? Um, so are, so fighters are, te- are they tested the day of the fight? So they can be tested the day of the fight, no. the night of the fight, the day, but they can be tested any, t- any time. It's oh. okay. Um. But you said something interesting earlier as well about how THC, the concern is that maybe having THC in your system during the fight could help you endure more damage. That's at least the theory. I mean, I don't know That's whether there's weight to that because I mean, I've, yeah. never, I've never, I'm not a fighter, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Yeah, um, yeah. W- what do you think? Listen, I know this, right? This is what I know. I know if three of us all had altercations with one another, and we put some liquor in this room, we'd kill each other. You know, and I know if we all had altercation and we started smoking some weed, we all start taking selfies with one another <laughs> and shit, right? I said, man, fuck that shit. I love you, man. That shit was bullshit. <laughs> you know, I used to, I didn't know that because I've been in that situation. I saw what the effects of both of them do. And that's all I know from that perspective. But how would it relate to you competing, to fighting another another human being? How do you Mike think? has an interesting story about it. Like, what you say if I'm smoking weed? Yeah. Do you think it would help you? Do you Absolutely. think it would help in, with anxiety? Yeah. Like, but listen, that's yeah. why I smoked it. I was a little, little too paranoid the sure. night before, so I smoked the night before to get some rest and cool out. Yeah. You know, I believed it helped me. Yeah. I was relaxing to fight the fight. I broke the guy's eye socket, his cheekbone, his back, his rib, because he, he turned around while I was throwing a punch. And um, I was calm, relaxed. Yeah. You know, and it was... um. I know it was really soothing. Yeah, really I mean that's that's the same story I get from from our fighters, absolutely. But I I just and it's interesting because I've had you know I've had talks with well, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Bob Bennett, who's their executive director. He's just like me, former federal agent, and you know I think they've had some preliminary discussions about hey, why don't we just get rid of marijuana to be tested altogether? I mean, yeah. it's, it's legal in Nevada, yeah. so there's because no. Because you notice this is when it's really bad. Listen, this is when it gets bad. Listen, um. When it comes to drug, because when it comes to drug tests, you know, we could all beat the cocaine, we could all beat cocaine drug testing. You have to stay away from it for three days or so. We could beat that, right? But for weed, we got 45 days. Yeah. yeah. We got to wait 45 days in our system. And I think it stays in our system because it belongs there. Weed comes out, I mean, cocaine comes out because it doesn't belong there. Our body's trying to get rid of it. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting theory, dude. Yeah. No, that's real stuff. We try yeah. to get rid of it. Well, shit. we produce yeah. some. To do different things yeah. in our bodies anyway, yeah. endogenous cannabinoids that help us with our appetite and our sleep rhythms and this, our mood. This and makes pain. us hungry. This we do some cocaine nigga, we shut down. Boom. All of our senses <laughs> shut down. Yeah. We don't hear nothing, we don't see nothing. It's all illusion delusions and shit. We don't hear shit, see shit, and we're on some fucking energy we don't even know about. Yeah. How, how about, care about nobody. <laughs> I don't care about nobody. In terms of things that aren't supposed to be in your body, I think this is real hypocritical in the world of anti-doping is Xanax, Ambien, some yeah. of the opioids, we talked about this earlier, are allowed, but you can't use a little marijuana the night before a fight to sleep. I yeah. mean, that's just, that's flat out wrong. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. I mean, do you why, think... Why do, what's the concept? Why do we think that way? Why, find out why is it the greatest thinkers in that particular field? Why do they think that way? Well, you were I, at the FDA, I was dude. just going to bring that up. Coming from the federal government, as it comes to those things, I think the answer is big pharma. 
I think the interest that big pharma has in these synthetic drugs and how much money that they make for for these big pharma companies, the influence that big pharma has over lawmakers, um, they see marijuana as you know potential roadblock to their earnings potential, um, right? Mm. Well, listen, I think. Yeah, I've done almost every drug I can think of. You know, instead of probably. I, did I do crack? I, I smoked crack before it didn't affect me. I did smoke meth before it didn't fuck. I just, it, just, it wasn't my thing. It just didn't affect me, right? I didn't like it. It wasn't my stuff, right? I did the I did the toad, right? It changed my whole perspective on life and drugs and all that shit. You know, it just changed everything I ever thought about drugs. It made me say drugs ain't shit if it's not like this. If you can't make me feel like this, then I can't use you anymore. So what do you do with a drug like that? What do you do with a drug like the toad? Why is the toad, like, illegal? Mm. That's the closest thing to make you have an engagement with God, Do you know in about, my perspective. Do you know about 5-MeO-DMT or DMT? Or, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I think I guess DMT is a Schedule 1. It is a Schedule 1. But speaking of Schedule 1, how the hell – is marijuana yes in the same category as crack cocaine, crack cocaine. methamphetamine, how, heroin? How did they even? Yeah. Are you yeah, kidding how me? How did that even work out? Doesn't Look, I'm not. I'm not sense. sitting here a proponent of everybody go out and use marijuana or drugs. Yeah. But when looking at people with medical conditions, physical conditions, psychological dis- conditions, and given a choice between a purely synthetic drug that's you know processed by the liver through the kidneys versus a natural plant where there's no evidence of the, that type of toxicity, uh, I just don't get it. It's so, you know, it's well, so it's backward. Nixon, right? What's that? It's Nixon. Nixon, yeah, created the DEA in 1973. And look, I, I was in the front lines of the war on drugs mm. in America. It's not working. Yeah. Listen, We're um, 45 years into it. This is what it is. Um, it's, no, it's no end to it. It's no end to drugs and cocaine and acid and all that shit and method. There's no end to that. That's never yeah. going to end. Never. It's going to be here when our great, 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 great grandkids die. It's never going anywhere. Yeah, we I agree. We create it. We make it. The yeah. toad is natural. All this shit is natural. We make it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there, there's good, intelligent people that I work with that are working it, so it's not for lack of effort, but the, just the demand is too high. And you took a quarter of that money and put it into education, rehab for those that needed it and developed the problem. And I think you have a much better society than, than what you do now. I talk about prison overpopulation with nonviolent drug offenders. I mean, marijuana being a Schedule One drug, there's instances where if you sell enough of it, you could be facing a, a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think society is realizing that it's, that's ridiculous, and that's why we having the, um, the, we're getting easier on the marijuana laws. I think we're getting there. I agree with you. You know, I believe it's just an overwhelming, it's an overwhelming call for a change, and I think it's just going to be it's a no brainer. They have to give in. It's almost like when the Christians became legalized religion. It was so much they just couldn't stop it. Um, Christ, um, Christ, what's his name? Constantine. All that. he had to turn Christian. He's just. It was overcoming him. It was, it was um, crush, crushing him and his children and his children's children. And he couldn't stop it. So we had to make that um, a religion of the country. That was in Rome. No, Constantinople. What is that? Oh, Constantinople. What is what is that? Um, Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's a history guy too, man. Awesome. Yeah. And when you think about marijuana in a form, it's like religion. It's a form of religion, yeah, marijuana. Absolutely. You know? There are people who are who actually have a religion about what it. What are their names? They're not the Rastafarians, are they? Well, the Rastafarians, I think cannabis is a big part of their culture, but it's not like the a centerpiece. Yeah, it's not the essence These people, it. actually, it's like a centerpiece of their culture. I told you about that tribe in Africa, the Dogon yeah. tribe, who have a yearly cannabis celebration and they believe that this ancient alien race from the Sirius stars came down and brought cannabis to it. Sirius are the dog stars. There's two of them, A and B. Cannabis means two dogs. So they have all these cave paintings about people from the heavens coming down to the earth and giving them this plant because it will bring them peace. And so, I mean, there are people that are fucking into it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) It is that, though. You know, I think that there's an intelligence to all this plant life, you know. And 
somehow in our Western culture, we've convinced ourselves that we know better Hmm. and that we can create something better in a lab that's safer, or at least that's become profitable. So Hmm. that's the direction it's gone, you know? I mean, I I always try to look at it. It's just because my world from a sport perspective and the reality is, you know, MMA, the UFC is probably one of the most physically grueling. Yeah damaging to your body over you know short and long-term sports out there and you know again i'm not a proponent of everybody going out and using things but when you have certain conditions you're in pain all the time and you look at the alternatives that are out there synthetic man-made toxic to the liver kidney versus a plant yeah that you know i think it's Unquestioned that, you know, probably it doesn't have a lot of the addictive properties that an opioid would certainly. Um, and that there's no evidence that I've ever found of toxicity. Yeah. Um, man, it sure seems to me like. Are there more no reasonable brainer. people like you, Jeff, and the FDA <laughs> and the DEA? <laughs> they have to do, but their hands are tied. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I struggle with that a lot. I mean, you're tasked to enforce the laws of this country, many of which you may not agree with. And, you know, that's it was tough. Definitely, like, I guess you have to be the kind of person to take that job, right? <laughs> True. I mean, there's like in every walk of life, there's all kinds of law enforcement agents, officers. The majority, in my opinion, with working them, are really good people. There's some that, yeah, that aren't in it for the right reasons. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Maybe they're just finding themselves. I, I, it's hard for me to believe. You know, since my consciousness is hard for me to believe in really in bad people now. I know yeah. that's even fucked up to think, but it's hard for me to think of people bad. It's they're misguided. Mm-hmm. They have wrong perceptions of what they think life is and what their happiness is. Well, I would just challenge you on that with, you know, there's dark and light in the world. Oh, man. no doubt about you know? it. So maybe there are people who are gravitated towards darkness and evil. And I don't know. Maybe that's just part of the balance of the universe no way ever showed them the essence of the light yeah once you find the essence of the light you can't run back yeah it's true jeff it's got to be going down in the government man we got to have some light in there can't be all dark i mean i think it it comes from the top i mean i've been obviously very interested in this election in a couple years you start seeing some of these candidates and i think kamala harris like yeah very active one of her big you know yeah, agendas is legal, federal legalization of marijuana. Yeah, um, you know, I, th- I thought there was a lot of momentum coming, you know, in previous administrations, and it kind of slowed down with uh, with this one here. But yeah, well, Trump I is kind of like it seems like he could be the guy to do it because he's crazy enough, and he could see the business in it. Yeah, and the opportunity there. I was hoping that maybe that would be his golden star of achievement in his career as president but i don't think it appeals to his base right and that's yeah obviously i know how he's governing now i know i know well some people need to talk to him and express to him that he's not even acting from the opinion of his base yet it gives them an opportunity to say yes or no he hasn't given them that opportunity you know we can get to call him is dana dana still talks to him well, like pretty regularly we should have dana call <laughs> him dana let's talk a, to him give him a talk about cannabis a little presentation um Oh, well, it's been awesome having you on, man. Big time. Yeah, yeah, it's been great being here, Mike. I mean, I have so much respect for you. Just, you know, growing up in high school in the mid-late 80s and in college, your fights were events. They were neighborhood get-togethers. Really? Celebrations. Hey, I never the Tyson fight, the come on over. Some bullshit. Like, never, everybody tells uh, you that, dude. Yeah, you created so I never much I think about it like that. So in my own words, it's here yeah. in this moment in a square ring and nobody else fucking exists. Yeah. Well, that's how you had to be, man. I'll tell you another quick story, which you did for me. So, you know, your kids are always the last one to think you have any type of cool factor, right? And they keep you humbled. And and mine certainly are like that. My middle one, Kira, who you met a couple weeks ago in Vegas. So we were driving into the office that day and Dana's assistant calls me on the phone. So I put it on the speaker in the car and she says, uh, her name's Dre. She goes, hey, Jeff, are you in the office? I said, no, I'm five minutes out. She said, oh, Mike Tyson and some business partners are meeting with Dana and they want you to come in. I'm like, I'll be there in five minutes. I look over at my daughter and her mouth is like on the floor and she doesn't get awesome. excited about anything. She's like, Mike Tyson? That's awesome. I'm like, yeah. I go, 
come with me. And I go, Dana is a real family guy. You won't mind. Just come in. And so she came in there and got to meet you. And for a second, at least, I was cool in the eyes of one of my kids. And that doesn't happen very regularly. So thanks. Beautiful. Thank you. That's so awesome. Uh, Jeff, have you ever been in contact with the NFL drug policy peeps? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, back in in the Balco days, there was some NFL players um, there. So, yeah, I know Adolfo Birch um, yeah, yeah. is the guy that kind of runs their program and, and good guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have their own way of doing things and their own agenda. And, you know, we'll go to conferences and things like that together. But I don't know how much influence or I know I don't have any influence over, over what the NFL, doing. what they do. Do you guys share data on – how many percentages of athletes getting busted and yeah so i think a real important thing of any anti-doping program is transparency and i think we have the most transparent program out there so unlike mlb or the nfl it's like hey this guy got suspended for four games and not saying why right we release all of our data so total number of tests total number of positives what the athlete tested positive for. I think that's important because trust, trust is a big, if you don't have the trust of your athletes in a program, then I don't care how strong your program is. It falls apart because they may think in the NFL, you get a player saying, well, if Tom Brady tests positive, is he really going to be treated the same as, you know, the 45th man on the roster who's a special teams player? And there's no way of the NFL approving that because you can't see any of these numbers or what's going on in their program. So everything we do is absolutely wide out in the open. It's great, man. Yeah, there's no trust between the league and the players in the NFL. That's a that's, uh, that's, that's what I've a, heard. Us versus them. players I've talked to have told me the same. Yeah. No, why well, can't it can never be trust because there's always someone that's not that's being deceitful on one either one side is a player or either um, the the corporate. The you know, owner. Somebody's always being deceitful. Yeah. Before I forget, Mark Ratner said yeah. to say hello to you. And that's my man, Mark yeah. Ratner. Listen, Mark Ratner, he ran um, um, the Vegas Athletic Commission for 100,000 years, oh, right? Wow. And he's just always been my friend. He's just um, he's just very special. You know, he's very special. You know, you won't know he's in the room. He's nothing flamboyant. He's just... He's just a good man. But he did tell me a story. He fined you a little bit of money over oh, yeah. something, right? Yeah. He was always, yeah. he's like, I didn't know how Mike was going to react the next time no, I, I saw him, him after that. I love those guys, man. What did he have to find you because for? Because I think I bit this motherfucker's ear. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. But listen, um, people thought I took it personal with them. I didn't take that personal. They took it so fucking long. Why don't you just um, penalize me and let me go home? They took months and weeks to get this shit done. I go, oh. oh, God, take the money let me go. Government <laughs> bureaucracy, right? Right yeah, there, they right. had me killing me in the, the witness seat. It's killing me. It's <laughs> killing me. Uh, you know what, Jeff? I Jeff, can I tell you? Know what else too? From being an athlete, know what's the biggest um, cause for these um, enhancement drugs and stuff? Our pain. We're in a lot of pain, and we're lonely a lot. Yeah, a lot of athletes are real lonely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real lonely. Well, that's what we talked about when we talked about you know addiction too, man. Just because you're in pain, you feel isolated. You know, has nothing really to do with the drugs that you're taking. Mm. These addictive substances become addictive because of our own psychology around what the hole we have to fill in ourselves. And we don't even know we have a hole. Yeah. We brought to the attention that we have a hole. We have what? We have a what? I don't have a hole, motherfucker. <laughs> what fucking hole are you talking about? <laughs> All right, y'all. But to add, one more before I go. Just let everybody know. Think sometime. Who are you? Be in mm. touch with who you are. Because trust me, if you don't at this stage get in touch, touch with who you are and get to know this person, who this is, I think it's a wasted life. Who are you? Where have you come from? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Really, who am I? I'm just somebody, my mother and father. They just, my father and mother was just horny one night and boom, and I came <laughs> up. It wasn't that they loved each other. It wasn't love. They wanted to fucking, I came out and... um. What the hell happened? Well, what was that purpose for? <laughs> really, what was the purpose? Yeah. What was my purpose here? What you came in. You came through that portal. I had no idea. It's that portal. Look at that number. That's from another dimension, dude. Eight zeros. Prison one. Yeah. Oh, really? Are we going to a prison? I hope so. We can talk to some people and help some people. That'd be lives. cool. Well, you heard it from Mike, y'all. Who are you? Ask yourself. Go deep. Question What's things. Here? What's my purpose? Um, I always wondered this. Who's the first me? Who's the first man in my family? 
Who was the first man? Where was he at? What year was he born? Before Christ, after? Yes, who was the first me? Who's my first nose come from? Where did I come from? The first person. That was me, my my lineage, my bloodline, the first one. How many? How long was he? A Probably goes years? back pretty Two, far. 200 million years? How long ago was he? Have you traced back? How far have you been able to trace back family? Enough. Not far enough. Yeah. yeah. I love it's, that, it's too. In, That's it's, that it's fascinating. Still in the 20th, it's still in the 20th century, I think. 19th century, something like that. It's not even going over 300 years, 200 years. Not even yeah. that far. I've gotten back to 1620s. Wow. Yeah. My first ancestor that came to America, her name is Mary Bliss Parsons. She came from England. And she came here in about 1624. She was on trial for witchcraft three times, yeah. got off. How'd you yeah. find that out? Uh, my grandmother actually, uh, late last year, started passing me all this family lineage stuff because I think she's like, she wants to pass it on. And I'm the guy in the family that is sort of the center, the energy center of my family. So I'm the guy who's getting this information. It's really cool. You know, it's fascinating. You know, I, I was one of the first male of my lineage, the first male of this lineage, whoever named, he probably wasn't even a black guy. Hmm. He probably was white. He could have been an Asian. Who was he? The first one. You know what I mean? That turned me into this. Originally, after all those millions of years, hundreds of millions of years, I came out like this. Might have been an alien, bro. You never know who was that first person. Yeah. That first being. Only 1890, the 1889, we started filming, documenting. Can you imagine that? 1890, we started physically documenting besides before, you know, after writing. Isn't it interesting about man's need or uh, gravitation to create, like cave paintings, telling stories, before we learned or started the capability of writing? I think like cuneiform or something in like ancient Mesopotamia or um, what was that other civilization, Mike, in Turkey? On Turkey. Well, yeah, Atlantis. Well, there's a civilization that's under Turkey that's like 9,000 years old that's older than Africa, another country under Turkey. Africa is not the oldest country in the world. There's countries under Africa and under other countries that's been here millenniums. We can't even explain or tell, we can't even explain who these people were. We don't even understand the messages that they left us because we think we're so superior to them. We can't even figure out the message that they left us. Yeah, Stonehenge and all that stuff. Stonehenge, we haven't even figured that out. Are those heads on Easter Island? No, nobody knows anything. We don't know who we are. How are we gonna figure out something else? We don't even know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you have any thoughts on this? I was on the Great Wall of China. I was last well. November. Oh, dude, that was a. Listen, it was it took just, two years to make. Just felt two thousand years. I'm sorry, two thousand years to make. It's incredible. Two thousand years incredible, to finish it. Two without a doubt, the most incredible man made thing I've ever witnessed been a part of in my life it was i took that i left and got on a plane and flew back to vegas that night i walked into my house and said was i just walking on the great wall of china this morning is this or is this a dream it was was just really moving nothing's moved me like that i did the same that did five miles on the great wall wow really yeah I want to do that. I got home, called my mom and dad, and they said, hey, do you remember the the story that your grandmother and grandfather told you about that? I'm like, no, what was it? And they said, in the early 70s, they were were retired, and they would go on trips. They were one of the first American tour groups to go into Russia when it opened up. So they go over to China. They go on the Great Wall of China. Who's on the Great Wall with them when they're up there? Ali. Oh. I'm like, did they take a picture? And my mom's like, no, it was before, like, everybody's walking around with cameras. Uh, I'm like, damn, that is a story right there. That's an amazing story. When I went to, um, when I went to Egypt, I saw the pyramids. I said, fuck. Oh, I'd like to see so that. Alexander the Great, Napoleon, all these guys that went here, they've been here. All of the great warriors before them and stuff that, you know, this is the place you had to conquer. You had to conquer, you know, the Romans, they had to conquer Egypt. That was the light at the time. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I want to go there really bad to Egypt and see that. Yeah, Rome is pretty awesome too. Rome, Coliseum, yeah, yeah. Rome, Greece. I went. It was last year in a period of two months. We're in Moscow, Russia, for our first show there. So I'm in Red Square and inside the walls of the Kremlin. You can actually go in it. And then a couple of months later, I'm in 
Tiananmen Square. I went to see Mao. Forbidden City. I went to see Lenin. Lenin's pretty cool in state, huh? See him in state. We were reading about that going in there, and they've got people in the Russian army whose sole job is to take care of Lenin's body. So every what month or so, they bring him back underneath, underneath where the tomb is, and work on him, put new skin on him, clean him up. I mean, can you imagine that job? Crazy. What an order to be a part of. Right? That's crazy. They take that serious when you walk in that tomb, too. Like, I had I had my hands in my pocket, and there's soldiers there going, get your hands out of your pocket. Like, you better be respectful. You don't want anything. I go there, too. It's like this. I went to Lin Mao, same thing. So it's a big line, right? So the guards with the gun, they stop the line, they go like this. And I go in the front. They put me in the front so I could see the bodies and stuff. Then they let me out and stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. It's moving. Then, yeah, it's keep moving. Don't stop. Just keep it moving. It's looking at Mao. They look like fake skin and everything. Everything looks yeah. fake on them. Look like rubber. How would you feel about that, about lying in state for, forever? Yeah, just This is interesting. You said that my wife and I, we went to Egypt. So we went to the uh, museum and we saw the mummies laying in Tamosis the third and all these guys, they got gold slippers on. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the thongs we wear? Like, or they're gold. They're yeah. gold. Yeah. So, right, um, we look at them and then I'm saying to my wife, I said, with the ego that they had, they probably love people watching them. And then my wife said, no, they didn't want people to be. That's why they put them in the, the temple thing because they didn't want people to gawk over them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he, my wife was really freaky and superstitious about gawking over them and stuff. But... um it was a trip watching them. You know, I, I say to myself, this is interesting, too. You notice, like, in the Ten Commandments, you see Moses, they always have a staff. Yeah. Interesting. Only really the royals wore the, the staff. You know why? Because they were fucking inbreeding, fucking their sisters and their mothers and their uncles and their fathers and everything. And they all had bad hips from it. So that's really why they had to walk in staff. Most of them. God. So. Could have used some THC to ease those pains. No, I'm going to tell you some more stuff, too. So you look up look up cocaine dummy. They have a, co- a dummy. They cut his hair. They checked him out. And so they found that he had cocaine and nicotine in the system. And they said there was no cocaine there unless it was an alien plant, ancient plant a long time ago. Uh-huh. And they cut it out because they must have seen what it done to you. Or may, maybe cocaine gave them the effect that they, go, they have an afterlife. Maybe. You know? But where does the it's where, fucking dead, Mike? But anyway, where does the cocaine and the nicotine come from? Five yeah, thousand years ago in Egypt. Oh, we got the drug testing guy <laughs> here. I don't think they were doing any drug testing back in those days. No yeah. way. Yeah. They were trying to figure out what is it. They were just experimenting. <laughs> well, it's interesting about the pyramids and the Sphinx. And I was listening to. These guys talk about how the geologists and the paleontologists disagree on the age of the Sphinx. I said that as well. The geologists say it has to be this rock is at least 30,000 years old. Really? They say it was 5,000. Yes, exactly. The paleontologists say, no, it's 5,000 years old. Geologists go, no, this is 30,000 years old, this structure. Wow. And because of, like, the depths and the excavation that they've done, and it's just kind of mind-blowing, man. And this guy, I've told you about him before, Mike, this guy Thoth, the Egyptian god of wisdom, who is said to have come to Egypt to build the pyramids from Atlantis. He was an Atlantean priest who traveled to Egypt when Atlantis was taken over by a flood. And uh, this is in this book, The Emerald Tablets, that he wrote. And the pyramids are above what is called the Halls of Amenti, where he, where you go to be reincarnated into the world. So it's all, I don't know, man. I mean, we don't even know why the pyramids are there. Yeah, there's people buried in them, but I mean, they had pharaohs buried 300 miles outside the city that they would take, you know, and hide them because they didn't want people looting their tombs, you know, because like you said, Mike, everything was gold. They had these beautiful ornate statues and things because they need, they believed that these, their souls needed them to travel into the next life. 
It's crazy. They're maybe, still maybe, finding. Yeah. Maybe. Please continue. No, you go. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I was just saying maybe we yes, we are who we think we are. Yeah. When we like we like we went we took all that goal and stuff. Maybe in their mind, my goal is following me. I'm I'm going with my goal. Maybe we're not. They're no longer in the physical world then. Mm-hmm. You know, they left the physical world behind and they with this um, spiritual world. Mm-hmm. It's crazy all these things that we're still finding. All these clues that are on this planet to lead us. You know, to figure out where we came from, who we are. I saw something this week. The earliest footprint ever found. Mm. Somebody found this mm. footprint of a man and determined. Oh, shit, How do they determine if it's a man or woman footprint? Just with the, the shape or size of the foot, exactly. Wow. So I mean, it's got me like walking around now, looking on the floor, like I want to find, <laughs> find a footprint that's older than that. That's crazy. Listen, um, I'm no, I'm just talking about um, from reasonable terms. I just know the Vikings were here t- yeah. before Christopher Columbus and all those guys. Because when you think about it, the Vikings came here with their swords and their mallets and all that warrior stuff. And, but the Indians had, you know, it was too many Indians at the time. And they had their bow and arrows and stuff. But then they came back a thousand years later. Boom. What was it, 500? Probably a thousand years later, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, now they got guns. So it's easier to take over now. Mm-hmm. It's easier. Before you put the, the swords and the mallets, no, you're not going to do when they got 100,000 Indians with bones and arrows. Yeah. You know, so and they they also found the Vikings' home. They had built a home there, nomad style. Where at? North America, Greenland, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Again, Jeff, awesome to have you here today. Thank you guys very we much for having me. We really appreciate you. it. Yeah, man. Bring tickets home, brother. All right. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. Uh, you can find all our episodes there. Head to hotboxingpodcast.com for our website. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Hotboxingpodcast.com. And uh, that's about it, y'all. Until next time, I'm Evan Britton. And I'm Mike Tyson. This is Jeff Nowitzki. We're out of here. Bye. Hi, this is Danny Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast, and I want to take a minute to talk about DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick of the 2018 draft. Definitely has not gotten the attention of high-profile lottery picks Luka Doncic and Trey Young during the early going, but he has been excellent and a key part of the Phoenix Suns being on the precipice of the NBA Finals. Ayton is presenting a matchup nightmare for the LA Clippers that Rudy Gobert simply was not. Gobert is a wonderful player, deserving Defensive Player of the Year, but Ayton puts more pressure on opposing defenses. He's used his size mismatches for offensive rebounds, and he's also been able to contest shots around the basket and make life hard on the Clippers there too. So it is a huge performance for him, averaging 20 points, 13 and a half rebounds through the first four games of the series. And it's been so exciting to see a physically talented player really come into his own on the brightest stage so far of his career. Hi, this is Daniel Rue from the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now on the pro basketball, hockey playoffs, and Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.net has all the action. Basketball, the playoff battles continue as their teams make the run for the championship. America's pastime is in full swing. And let's not forget about hockey's chase for the cup. BetOnline has you covered if you love golf mma championship boxing they have that too bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports the news scores and odds so head to the website use your mobile device and bring home the game with betonline.net